The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 154. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Position leaders. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Allons-y! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing The uh, Journey's End. I don't think it's The Journey's End. I think it's just, just Journey's End. Yep. <laughs> Gotta be precise here. It's the mm-hmm. second part of the season four finale, and it's uh, the end of the journey for at least one companion. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, if you have not yet done so, and it's 154 episodes in, so I don't know why you haven't done it yet, but if you haven't, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, your favorite podcast app, or on the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should hit the bell to get notifications. Uh, so this is, as I said, the the it's sort of the season finale. It is the season finale. Yeah. Well, it depends on how you count, because some people count the four specials that follow. They're that, their own that, season. That, yeah, right. Well, and then it's even some of them kind of don't know whether to make the, uh, the, the very next <laughs> episode part of this season or the specials. It's really confusing, but it's, That's you know, just Amazon. Yeah. Well, actually, I've seen it a couple of places, too. Uh, mm. Oh, yeah. Am- actually, that is where I mostly saw it was Amazon. I have to say... When I first was watching this, you know, catching up on Doctor Who, I got to this episode. I'm going to say this up front rather than the end, and then went right to the first episode of the uh, Matt, Matt Smith, Smith, and oh. was very confused. Yeah, oh sure. <laughs> like, what happened? And then only later realized that there's a whole bunch of these other these four other episodes I missed. I'm like, ah. Well, it's it's something I I kind of forget too that this is the last regular season episode for uh, David Tennant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because everything following on is special, so it, it's there's no season after this. There's just specials, but it was something like a year and a half between this episode airing and the end of time episodes. Yeah, I right. thought that was an interesting choice um, because David Tennant was a very popular doctor, and he didn't want to do another full season, but they didn't want to just say he's gone. So they yep. came up with these specials, and same thing with Russell T. Davies. He had relaunched the show. It was very successful, and and I liked how they came up with... I mean, I wish, as a viewer, I wish they'd released them closer together, but yeah. But I thought it was an interesting choice to have this be the season finale and then have a series of specials that would ease us into the next Doctor. Right, because we go from this, which comes out July 5th, 2008, to Christmas 2008, to mm-hmm. April 2009 and and that's actually when it's set is Easter 2009 the of the the mm-hmm. the planet of the dead and then to waters of mars which was came out in November of 2009 so i mean we had this huge span of time and then dreamland which was a animated uh mm. epi- 12 minute episode or plus 5 6 minute episodes or something on it was on Online, an online animated thing. And then then we get to end of time at the end of 2009. So we have this long span, you know, a year and a half before mm-hmm. we get back to, you know, to really the next events in the Doctor's, you know, to the Doctor's regeneration. So, And it's also preferable because these days we have, a, we can go a year and a half between seasons. Yeah. And it's nice to have something in there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so uh, let's talk about what we have here. We have um, at at the end of the last episode, we yes. had a series of uh, a series of cliffhangers with people in difficult situations. The most 
extreme of them being the, the doctor has been hit by a Dalek beam and he announces, I'm regenerating. And we start to see the Artron energy glowing around him. And at the beginning of this episode, they now have to resolve all of those cliffhangers. So he channels right. his Artron energy into the hand that he's had ever since his first appearance when his hand got cut off just as he was regenerating. He's kept it around in a bottle of fluid. And so he 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 uh, he says he used the Artron energy to heal himself, and he says I didn't need to change, didn't want to. Look at me, why would I? And <laughs> which which is later picked up on in uh, Time of the Doctor as that was a real regeneration. He just yeah. wasted a life, but he had ego issues at the time and didn't want to change, <laughs> so he didn't by shunting the uh, Artron energy, the re residual energy that would have changed him in addition to healing him yep. uh, well, into you know, as, as, a biologically compatible container. And as, as we mentioned uh, last episode, this really annoyed fans. I mean, this yes. upset fans. I mean, first of all, just the um, ending on a, a regeneration when there was absolutely no hint that David Tennant was leaving. But then to do this fake out, fake out. Yeah. he's not really leaving yet. Of course, he left again in 18 months. But it's just it really upset fans. Fans were not happy about this. You know, Russell TV Davies did not go out on a high note with this one. That's for sure. <laughs> it feels like a cheap gimmick. I mean, it feels yeah. like a, a, a dramatic gimmick and fans, you know, we'll see through that. And it, it, uh, there's no there was no need for it. It's and only, it, yeah. And it's only gotten cheaper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like Peter Capaldi, how many regeneration fake outs did he have his last season? Right. Yeah. And, well, the, I mean, and, if, and of course, people ahead. play it as if his la whole last season was the regeneration, like it was a season long regeneration. But still. Right. But it's it's this fake drama of Willie or Woni. Is this it? Is this when it's going to happen? No, not yet. It's like let's just. It's going to happen in the last episode. That's how it works. Uh, yep. The last episode of the season, and it's and, just, and, uh, it's it's not unheard of, obviously in Doctor Who history, of a regeneration happening during the season, especially in classic right. Who. But nowadays, you'd know it just happens, and it doesn't. It happens, right. and it's done. You know, you don't play around with it like this. Yeah. So what we, another one of the cliffhangers is we have Sarah Jane Smith. She's about to be exterminated by the Daleks. She's in her car. Uh, but then Mickey and Jackie show up, which is yeah. a great return. Both carrying the, the same massive blasters that uh, that, that uh, Rose had. And they uh, blast the, the Daleks. And then Mickey has the great line, we Smiths have to stick together. <laughs> yeah, great. Which is great. <laughs> yeah, is great. Uh, us Smiths got to stick together. That's a great line. By the way, um, so, you know, in December, we're doing a month on Big Finish. And one thing to know about Big Finish is they have been exploring the parallel universe that Rose was trapped in. And so they've done stories with Billy Piper and with Oh, her mom. I'm forgetting the name of the actress who plays Jackie, but Jackie is in them. Mm -hmm. And they even do a series. One of the things Rose mentions here is that in the other universe, they built a dimension cannon to send Rose back. And mo the most recent release from the alternate universe is one called Rose Tyler, the Dimension Cannon, that is apparently a direct prequel to this episode that shows oh. how they built the Dimension Cannon and what led to it. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more at the end of the uh, episode here about our plans for December and uh, what you can expect. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, yes. So so we also have another one of the cliffhangers was the, the folks at Torchwood were about to be uh, uh, blasted by a Dalek that got in uh, at their headquarters. and it turns out there's some kind of barrier that's stopping anything from coming in and going out. It's a time lock that was in that was created by, I think, a deceased member of their team, someone yes. who had died at that yeah. point. Yeah. Tosh was her name, and okay. it's it's neat to see a time lock because we haven't yet seen. I mean, that's what's keeping the time war sealed off from everybody. Right is right. is there's a time lock on it, and we haven't yet seen exactly what that kind of thing is and so this is an example of we get to see on screen how a time lock works right right and uh we'll see that in the uh, the day of the doctor meanwhile the daleks uh, they put rose and jackie and uh who else rose and jackie donna and jack all end up inside the tardis with the doctor and the daleks put the oh no no i'm sorry 
I misspoke. Uh, yeah. Uh, only the Doctor Jack and Donna are inside the TARDIS, and the Daleks put it in a temporal prison of some sort, mm. which is keep it from dematerializing and going away. And they whisk it away to their ship, that, which they call the Crucible, at the Red Daleks' command. And then Sarah Jane, Mickey, and Jackie surrender to the Daleks so that they can be taken to the Crucible too. Which it's a risky, it's it's a risky proposition there that they that they've they've uh, they've gone out on a, on a limb on that one. Uh, yeah. There's no guarantee that they'll end up in a position where they could save the Doctor, he could save them, or even that they won't be killed instantly. So very. Interesting. It does have a kind of second doctor 1967 feeling to it though of, oh well we need to get wherever the doctor is so we'll just surrender <laughs> right <Yeah>. right <laughs> uh meanwhile we, we, martha jones uh, the other companion that's out there is uh she was with a uh, unit unit got destroyed she was given the osterhagen key and told and given a teleport device and now she's she teleported off and now we see where she's going she teleports to a place outside nuremberg germany and mm-hmm. uh I like the, the, the little detail where the Daleks there are speaking German. Exterminieren, <laughs> exterminieren. Uh, I've translated some of the lines. It says, stop, otherwise we will exterminate you. You are now a prisoner of the Daleks. And that's right from Google Translate, which did a pretty mm-hmm. good job there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's also really a, a nice wink to the audience because the Daleks were always a knockoff of the Nazis. And here we have them actually <laughs> yeah, speaking exactly. German. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I I, th- I found it interesting their decision not to put subtitles on either the Daleks or the the German woman that Martha encounters mm-hmm. here. Uh, so you have to pick up what they're saying from context if you don't understand German, right. which is interesting. Then uh, we have Rose explaining to the Doctor, you know, on the Crucible in the the Dalek ship, that all the stars are going out, all the dimensions are collapsing, all the timelines of all of reality are all converging on Donna, that somehow Donna is the linchpin to all of this. And uh, she starts hearing a mysterious heartbeat that we later learn is not her own. Right, right. Um, the, and we also have this other thing where it's like they're inside the TARDIS, the Daleks are telling them to come out of the TARDIS, and, and like, well, you know, Rose, Rose is, you know, they can't get in, right? No, they can, apparently, because... Uh, the Daleks can't. The Tardis can't keep all the Daleks out, so they have to surrender. Uh, yeah, because them. Daleks are. I mean, they're worthy opponents for Time Lords. They were locked in the Time War together, so they yeah. have the technology to overcome a Tardis's defenses. Right. So everyone comes out except for Donna. She gets stuck inside. She's been acting kind of squirrely, you know, a little weird. Like she's been distracted or is hearing things, and so she gets distracted and gets left behind. And the TARDIS shuts its own doors on Donna to keep yeah. her in. Yep. Now, the Doctor thinks that the Daleks have done it. Donna thinks the Doctor has done it. Like, hey, let me out. You know, no, nobody, nobody seems to un- understand what's going on. Uh, but the Daleks drop the TARDIS with Donna in it into the heart of their ship where it starts yep. to be destroyed. And then Gollum leaps after it, shouting, my precious. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the... Uh, and the doctor begs them to the Daleks to save her, offering himself in her place. But I'm thinking, aren't they just going to kill all of them anyway? Like, what, like, what is he? What will he accomplish by, you know, going in her place or saving her? Like the the Daleks, like from the Dalek point of view, is we're going to kill you anyway. So why should we bother? You know. Well, and that's what they say. He's just being desperate. Right. It's like you know, we're not going to let you change places with her. Sorry, you are connected with the TARDIS now. Feel it die. Yep. And and uh, at, as the TARDIS is being destroyed, Donna reaches out and t- for some reason touches the Doctor's hands inside its case and absorbs some that Artron energy that it absorbed. And then the hand becomes a clone of the Doctor and <laughs> naked, and uh, which is a mm-hmm. funny scene. And he ends up taking the TARDIS away from where it is, and you know, with Donna and saving them. But nobody else realizes that the TARDIS is not destroyed. Yeah, so a few interesting things here. The first one, with the energy that the Doctor uses to regenerate, I mean, we're told it's Artron energy that's been in the show for a long time. They've never told us why it's called that, but Big Finish recently did a uh, Mm. play where we meet the scientist Artron, who played a crucial role in the early process of developing regeneration, and so the energy is named after him. Oh, cool. Mm. 
Also, um, we have the uh, the doctor, the new nude doctor is described <laughs> as a meta crisis. And right. so meta in Greek means beyond or after crisis obviously has a normal meaning in English. It also comes from Greek where it means like a judgment or separation. Mm. So this meta crisis doctor is sort of an after the separation or after the crisis doctor. So there is kind of a basis for that word, even though it's not a normal English word. And then the way he gets them out of the out of the reactor core is by using the fast return switch. And the fast return switch goes all the way back to the second story of Doctor Who, The Edge of Destruction. Right. And what it what it does is it yanks you back to wherever oh, right. your that's last right. location was. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. Uh I did like the red Dalek uh turning after the TARDIS is apparently destroyed turning to the 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 actual doctor. Uh, uh you know, how how do you feel? <laughs> I was thinking this reminds me of something. Now, doctor, how do you feel? Be honest. This is for posterity. <laughs> right out of <laughs> Princess Bride. <laughs> I thought that was a, a little funny moment. Um, now, Jack gets the Daleks to shoot him because, of course, Jack is immortal. Um, so they think he's dead. And then the Doctor and Rose are taken away. So so now Jack is on the loose in the uh, Crucible uh, because they, 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 they're about to dispose of his body. Uh, the doctor, the Metacrisis Doctor in the... Uh, TARDIS. He's turns out he's half human because he's got half of his biology from Donna. So doesn't look like it, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, so he's only got one heart, and, and he's that was the mysterious heartbeat rippling back in time that Donna heard. Yep. Yes, yes. Don't we hear a heartbeat in the in the uh, Moffat time? Isn't that also something that happens? Uh, maybe mm. I'm maybe I'm thinking of something else, uh, but. The, I have a, I feel like there's something else that ripples through time that Moffat does as well. Well, there's there's uh, the whole yeah there um that the the drum beats the master heard oh, when he looked right. into the the rift that's uh, what it is with the time vortex that was explained as the 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 time lord sent it back right also but that wasn't Moffat's time that was the um that's the end coming of time. up yeah that's coming yeah. up in the regeneration so they they go right back to that you're right you're right. Also, in addition to have absorbing human biology, the Metacrisis Doctor has absorbed Donna's speech patterns. <laughs> so he's just hilarious. Oi, and things like that. Yes, it'd be like it has her attitude, which is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> and then he explains how she's really special, that something's been drawing them together all along. He recalls all the times where they've, they've had these coincidental encounters, you know, in the Christmas special, and then later on, you know, at the wedding. And all that sort of stuff, and it's very interesting. I, 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 was that planned? I don't think it was. I don't think it was ever planned that when when Catherine Tate was Donna in no. the Christmas special, no, that it wasn't. Would, well, and the yeah, same this, thing with Wilf. You know, he originally was just a one-off character in a Christmas special at running he a didn't shop. Have a name, yeah, right, yeah. right. You know, and so it was just it all worked out. They were able to kind of pull these two threads when Catherine Tate express interest in coming back to Doctor Who for a season and they needed, you know, her dad, the the actor who played her dad, of course, became sick. They need to fill in. Well, this became a perfect character to throw in there with Wilf. Bring back Bernard Cribbins. That's what I say. We also get an interesting insight into Donna's character here that she uses all of her bluster to compensate for her feelings of inadequacy. Yes. Which may be why blustery people bluster in general. I don't know. I think a lot of them do, but anyways. <laughs> I mean, it's it's actually kind of a nice moment where Donna lowers her sort of her shields, you know, and uh, lowers her defenses a bit, and is really kind of honest about who she is. And she kind of kind of becomes kind of almost quiet, which is unusual for Donna. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I I, uh, I like it, you know. The, he says all that attitude, all that lip, because all this time you think you're not worth it, shouting at the world because no one's listening. Well, why should they? And uh, and then he says, "But look what you've done. You know, look what you, where, where you, you're so important. So I mm-hmm. really like that. Uh, so we're back with Martha at uh, the unit uh, in Germany, at outside the Schloss, with the German woman who uh, tells her, uh, you know, the, lets her into the into the building. She knows what the Osterhagen key is, and she says to Martha in German, "You are the nightmare, not the others." And she means the Daleks. You, I should kill you right now. She's got a gun pointed at her." Because she knows what the Osterhagen key is. 
Which and, uh, we don't at this point. Right. 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 You can, we have an idea that maybe it's, it's not something that's going to be. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. And then she sells her Zer Ahola Deer, which is literally means go to hell, which I also looked up on Google Translate. <laughs> oh, that's what that. Well, that, that might come in handy someday, but uh, I don't know. Um, and then Martha enters a small underground control room uh, where where she sits down. So then um, we'll, then we'll come back to that. Meanwhile, Jack is on the loose again yep. since he faked his, his death or came back from his death. Yep. Uh, the Daleks announce they're going to use a reality bomb, which yep. is a really cool name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's going to, I don't know, detonate the Solarmanite and all of the sunlight and all of the stars and all of the universe and kill everyone. So you explode the sunlight here. You explode it everywhere. Your ancient juvenile minds can't. Oh, sorry. That's plan nine. but their plan is they're gonna because the dimensions are converging they're going to wipe out everything so they will be the only things in existence and thus fulfill their xenophobic fantasies and this goes all the way back i mean the daleks have been xenophobes for ages but also it goes back to a speech in genesis of the daleks where the doctor asks davros if he had a virus that he could release that would kill all life, would he do it? And Davros thinks about it and becomes intrigued and concludes, yes, he would, because that power would set him above the gods. And so here in this episode, yep. Davros is back, and he's <laughs> going to do that in the form of the reality bomb. Right. He's going to dissolve every atom in all of creation into nothingness. Uh, mm. Now, the doctor figures out that Davros is a prisoner of the Daleks, that he's actually not running things. Dalek Khan predicts that one of the Doctor's companions will die. Does that come out? Does it? It's not a literal death. It's a meta- it ends up being a metaphorical death. They, okay. they, they weasel on that one. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, and plus, we find out that Dalek Khan has a different agenda than we've... That was actually the big surprise. So the Daleks test the reality bomb device on the human prisoners, but Sarah and Mickey, Sarah and Mickey escape right away. They they dart out a yeah. door when the Daleks aren't watching. Jackie and, and, doesn't, and Sarah uses her sonic lipstick to get yeah. through the door. Yep. That's right, that's right. Uh, Jackie doesn't manage to get away, but then their dimension shifting device, which takes thirty minutes to recharge, it's like a Tesla of, of dimension shifting devices. Mm. Um, she, it recharges just in time, and she. And I like this moment where she turns to the the poor woman beside her, who's you know having she a breakdown. Can't teleport, yeah. right? And like, I'm so sorry, and hits the button and goes. And then all those people are, you know, Thanos, uh, basically. Yeah. And that's this is a bit of a plot hole in this episode because <laughs> the whole point of keeping the humans around and shuttling them up to the crucible was to test this weapon on them. But look, if it destroys atoms, right. That's what human bodies are made of. So yeah. once you've <laughs> destroyed your test atoms in the lab, you don't need to test it on human beings. Right. It, it, you, you, you could test it on a lump of rock, and it would be just fine. It would be all the proof of concept you need. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that is a very big plot hole in this one. <laughs> but so, we uh, do get pounding operatic music out of it, which is really cool. We do, yes, we do. And brinksmanship here with uh, Jackie escaping just in time. Jack meets up with the others, he, with the Sarah and Mickey and Jackie. Um, it turns out Sarah has a warp star a, 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 in a necklace, which is apparently just a very big explosion in a very small package. Yeah, it, and this is uh, this ties in to the Sarah Jane adventures. In the episode, Whatever Happened to Sarah Jane, that's where she gets the warp star. And it's one of the episodes that involves the trickster, who is one of Sarah Jane's villains. And... Also, the Time Beetle from Turn Left a couple of episodes ago oh, was sure. part of the Trickster's Brigade. So this right. is they're tying in stuff and not explaining it. It's just here. Oh, Sarah Jane has a warp star. What's that? It's an explosion in a small thing. But if you've seen the Sarah Jane adventures, you know a little bit more about it. Right. So, also, the Supreme yeah. Dalek gets an awesome line. Prepare for reality detonation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's uh, another version of prepare to have your mind blown. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so Martha uh, manages to get the Osterhagen stations online, or enough of them anyway. Argentina is apparently not responding, but uh, she's got China and uh, where was the other one? Oh, in um, an African country. I forget where. Uh, but she's got 
three of them online, which is apparently enough. Uh, but she's not going to go ahead. She's going to violate protocol. She's not going to activate the Osterhagen key until she does. She says, she, until I do something the doctor would do, which mm-hmm. is apparently give the Daleks a chance to um, change their to mind. Back off. Yeah. Meanwhile, as that's happening, the Meta Crisis doctor comes up with a plan. Mm-hmm. He wants to reverse the reality bomb onto the Daleks by using Davros's DNA. So only the Daleks will get wiped out, which is really magical space fantasy. Um, <laughs> but that's his plan. Yeah, all the Daleks were cloned from uh, Davros's DNA. That was the whole uh, that came out in the last episode, except for one Dalek. Dalek Khan. Dalek Khan is not. So that would have left him alone. Interesting. Yep. So Martha calls the Crucible and says, I've got the Osterhagen key, and she reveals its purpose. So for the first time, we learn what it is, which is it's if human suffering is, you know, tremendous and great and can't be ended and there's no way out, it's more merciful to just wipe the planet. So the Osterhagen key, if it's activated, will destroy all life on Earth. So we're going to burn down the village in order to save it. It's Hmm. an assisted suicide device for the planet, basically. Yeah, yeah. And the doctor has a great line where he says, when he hears its purpose, he says, what? Who invented that? Well, someone named Osterhagen, I suppose. (laughs) And and I love that line. Um, The Osterhagen key also sounds to me like a spy thriller. Yes. Like, you know, the the Iger sanction. (laughs) I was thinking the exact same thing, yeah. the, (laughs) The Cassandra compact or the Osterhagen key. And Osterhagen also is an anagram for Earth's Gone. Ah. Oh, interesting. That's, a, that's good. And that, that's probably, they probably came up with that first and then said, okay, then we have to set this in Germany. You know, it's good. Right. Yeah. That's where the, 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 well, the, at least it's not just yet another thing that's only in, in Britain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they yeah. decided to go a little international. What were you going to say, Father? Well, I, I, I had to laugh when I first saw the key itself because it looks like a Game Boy cartridge, like yes. an old school mm-hmm. Game Boy cartridge. I'm like, she's going to play a Game Boy called Osterhagen? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, she, uh, Martha does notice Rose there is being held captive along with the doctor. And she's like, you know, my my goodness, he found you. Like, it's like, you remember how that whole season with Martha was... You know the the doctor pining for Rose and Martha mm-hmm. pining for the doctor, and and now you know she sees how that's that culminated. So we're bringing threads to a, to, to gathering threads here, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack, meanwhile, has another transmission for the Daleks from inside the Crucible, telling them that he's wired the warp star into this ship and threatens to blow it all up. Um, and I, I like that Davros here recognizes Sarah Jane from Genesis yeah. of the Daleks. That's a nice that callback. Is, that is awesome when he recognizes <laughs> you were there at the beginning. Yes. Yep. Uh, and uh, Davros then tells the doctor, like, this is what's going on here. You you take your friends and you transform them into weapons, even though you abhor violence. And then we see a montage of all the people who died sacrificing themselves for the doctor that we've seen, like, especially in the 10th doctor's time, all the people who've died. So, um Including the hostess with no name from Midnight. Right, right. And uh, in the uh, Kylie um, from that spaceship Titanic, Kylie and, like all Kylie the different Manu. people. Voyage yeah, of Kylie the Voyage of the Dead. Thank you. And uh, and it's just it, they they keep calling the you know the Doctor's children. These are your children, and you know we'll see what you've done to them, what you've transformed them into, as if they're trying to say to the Doctor, you've you've damaged them. But when in reality, he. He's actually made them... He's actualized them. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's given them, shown them what they could do for themselves. And and if this was the seventh Doctor instead of the tenth, he would have said, that was the plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the plan all along. Uh, so the, the flaw in what both Martha and Jack and the others uh, have done here is they've revealed themselves to the Daleks, and the Daleks have transmat technology and transmat them all. Oops. <laughs> to the vault, to Davros's vault, yeah. and they begin to activate the reality bomb, which is, and I know we're dealing with crazy, homicidal, xenophobic monsters in a science fantasy series, 
But wiping out all of reality just seems like a big waste of resources to me. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, if you if, if if you're a Dalek and you have this tiny little pocket of reality to live in afterwards, you're going to run out of resources pretty quick. You kind of need the rest of the universe. See, yeah. at least Thanos had the good, the right idea. You eliminate the people, but you keep the planets. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, when you really want the universe to revolve around yourself, there's no better way to do that than just make sure there's nothing else in the universe but yourself. That This is true. This is true. Uh, so the uh, the Metacrisis Doctor shows up with his gizmo. He's about to, you know, yeah, he's going to save the day. Uh, but Davros zaps him, like, right off the bat. Boom. Uh, then he zaps Donna, and the Daleks destroy the gizmo, and you're like, oh, how are they going to get themselves out of this situation? And there's, a, you know, there's some of this bl- bluster that, that goes back and forth, and then Donna <sighs> pops up. And and at this point, the episode drops off a cliff for me yeah. because something's happened to Donna. We don't know exactly what, but she starts spouting technobabble, and yeah. it's really fast technobabble, and it's interspersed yeah. with bragging and mm-hmm. arrogance, and this is our deus ex machina. Um, the, this is the big solution to the everything they put them in. Not only has, has the Metacrisis Doctor come into existence but donna has been affected because this was a two-way biological metacrisis right and so she is now the dr donna she has all the knowledge that the doctor would have but she also has this human element and that in in her mind she is now smarter than both of the doctors both the regular doctor and the metacrisis doctor she refers to them as dumbos in comparison mm. to her because of the synergy between the Time Lord knowledge and her human way of approaching things. Mm-hmm. And she's spouting technobabble and doing stuff with devices and magically solving all of their problems instantly in humiliating ways. Like she's causing the Daleks to spin around, mm-hmm. right? which we've seen before, but she's just doing it to all of them. And the doctors, meanwhile, are just celebrating Donna and marveling at how wicked, cool, awesome she is now. Yep. And we've had this build up to this dramatic ending with the pounding operatic music that was really cool. And now we're playing the payoff for comedy. Mm-hmm. And I hate all of this. I hate it when the doctor gets uh, braggy and arrogant over people, and I hate it when Donna does, too. And I hate it when Donna is bragging over the doctors, calling them dumbos. Yeah. This I find unattractive, and this is the biggest flaw in the episode for me. I love other bits of this episode, but I just hate what Donna becomes here. I'm okay, I, I'm okay mm-hmm. with Donna acquiring like these special abilities and that she's the, the linchpin. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I get what you're saying about the turning it into sort of buffoonery, mm-hmm. and yeah. and uh, the whole uh, Wesley Crusherization of Donna. You know, like suddenly <laughs> she she can do everything no one else could do because she's you know she's human and doctor together, and you know her brashness and her and all that knowledge. I, you know. I, I think know. there was a way yeah. they could have still played it that didn't quite get to the point of absurdity. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I wish they really would have. And I mean, the, the start of it's good where, oh, yes, the, the weapon is about to fire. And wait, why did it shut down? Oh, yeah. You forgot forgot about me. You know, I mean, that that was that was fine. But then, yeah, then it does. I'm, you know, 100 words per minute typist. You know, it's like, OK, that helps right. you how, you know, right. Yeah. The it, she so she sends all of the planets home except Earth for some reason, and you you're right. They could have accomplished all the same stuff, but not played it for comedy. I right. mean, Donna could have had this could have been a tragic thing for Donna that would have mm-hmm. highlighted the sacrifice that's coming. Instead of having her be over the top braggadocio, she could have been straining under the pressure of the Time Lord right. knowledge and managed to accomplish all of this at great personal pain. Right. And and that would have highlighted instead of undercut the drama of the moment. It in some ways it's sort of symbolic of the whole Russell T. Davies era, which is it's so often he does he did so well with the drama and then sort of undercuts it with with absurdity. You know? Like yeah. it we're doing so well. We're doing so well. These are I mean, I'm not against funny moments and funny stuff. Right, but, we need comic relief. Right, mm-hmm. but having having the absurdity, the climax, 
right. You know, just replacing good, solid drama with absurdity, uh, it, it just it just doesn't work. I mean, it's well, and there's there's so many of the lines that Donna said in this part. If you had played it that way with more the 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 tragedy, would have been so much more impactful, and probably right. even would have had more of that humor aspect come out. In right. a good Contra- way. contrast this with how they played the regeneration in End of Time. You know, mm-hmm. which they didn't play for comedy, although there were there were lighter moments in it. Mm-hmm. They didn't play it for comedy, and I felt I fe- it feels like that comes off much better than right. this does. Um, that that comes off as tr- um, tragic and ironic, and um, you know, there 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 are a couple of light moments w- that kind of relieve a little bit of it, but it's not absurd. And that that's I, I get your point there, Jimmy. That you know, that's the overplaying it for absurdity that yeah. that really kills it. And in particular, the self-aggrandizement, talking about how great I am, I'm the greatest, I'm even better than you, Doctor. I just, I hate self It's like that song, there was a, back in the 80s or whatever, we built this city on rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no, no, you didn't. <laughs> but, but that kind of self-glorification, there's a whole genre of pop music that involves self-glorification, and I just don't like that. Right. I mean, the whole, like, the whole moment in this where, the doctor, the Metacrisis doctor, and Donna are sending the planets back, and they're all like they're like singing out the names of them. And back home, Adipose three, off you go, Clom. And it's just like it's too, uh, you know. We we've just we've just escaped from the t- total destruction of all of reality, and it just feels too. Mm-hmm. Well, you too know, I, I will say that, that's, that is kind of one niggling complaint I've had about this whole two parter. Is there are points in each both episodes where it just goes juvenile and strange and yeah. you know and it it's and some of it i know is because of like you know the sarah jane adventures are actually more of a young adult series so they had to kind of pull some of that in but some of it was just not well written yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point we also have an indication because we made this point that all of this is centered on Donna. There have been all these coincidences. It's like something has been guiding the the doctor and Donna together. What is that bad wolf? Right. Right. And, and yeah. it turned, but it also turns out that Dalek Khan has been the one manipulating the timelines all along. Yeah. He had seen all the time and space and realized the truth of who the Daleks are and said no more. He became a good Dalek, which was yeah. an, an insane Dalek, but a good yeah. one. <laughs> But the, the new doctor, the Metacrisis doctor, listens to Dalek Khan, and while the, the doctor is, uh, the real doctor is distracted or, or, in one way or another, he decides that all the Daleks must die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, So he uses his plan from before. Right, right. Turns it on the, on the Daleks. And even though they have the same DNA as Davros, Davros doesn't die for some reason. No, 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 yeah. We, he, apparently, because uh, reasons. That, yeah, reasons. A bunch of stuff happens. Basically, the they they get in the TARDIS. They're going to use the TARDIS to tow Earth back to place because right. they they can't send it back. The controls were uh, for the magnetron, the device that sent the planets back, were of course destroyed by the Supreme Dalek just before right. Earth was yeah. to be sent. Right. So, and meanwhile, as the Crucible is exploding, the Doctor tries to save Davros, and he refuses to be saved. Yeah. But of course he's not dead. But of course we know he's going to be back. <laughs> he always comes back. Yes. Yeah. Now, now, Jimmy, question for you. Uh, you know, they're they're showing them flying the TARDIS. And one thing they say is that it takes it really takes six to fly a TARDIS. Right. I seem to recall having heard that long before New Who. Is this something yes. I'm just kind of remembering wrong, or is this this is something that carries over from Classic Who? It it is something from Classic Who, but I don't think it ever made it on screen. No. There was so before the Doctor had good control of the TARDIS, there was there were it's like fan theories and even people behind the scenes would speculate why doesn't he have better control of this thing? And someone noticed, oh well the TARDIS has like six panels on right. its control console. Maybe it needs six pilots. And I believe that was an unofficial explanation that the producers had that they could use to explain to fans why right. he's so out of control with this thing and why he do- can't just fix it. Right. And so here they take that behind the scenes thing and, and make it canon. Okay. That's, what I, that's what I thought. I, I thought it was something that 
had come out of Classic Who, whether, again, like you said, it was on screen or not. And it, you know, it does then explain why all the old consoles had the six-sided panels. Yeah, right. And, he, and so he has the companions, four of whom don't know how to fly a TARDIS, man, these consoles, and except, not, except for Jackie, not her. Right, right. <laughs> Poor Jackie. But yeah, uh, the two doctors and, and Donna sort of hover around the others. Instead of doing it themselves, they sort of... Yeah, t- uh, the, the actual qualified pilots. Right. Well, and, and one, of, one of them could have flown, you know, the Metacritus one could have flown, the other one could have been doing the instructions, and that would have been one less person they had to worry about giving instructions mm-hmm. to. Right. Mm-hmm. At this point, Donna and the Meta Crisis Doctor and the Doctor are the three logical pilots right. for three of those slots. Yeah. I want to go back for a second to a point um, that we kind of skimmed past was uh, the 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 Meta Crisis Doctor killing all of the da- Daleks and the and the Doctor Doctor being mad about it, and it yeah. kind of goes back to Genesis of the Daleks when the Fourth Doctor had the opportunity. To kill off all the Daleks right at the beginning, before all we before what he knew they would be do would eventually do to the universe, and I'm I'm wondering like, you know, yes, genocide is is wrong. I mean, that's just I mean, obviously we don't kill whole whole races. Except yeah, but da- Dalecide is not wrong, right? Because exactly. every Dalek is a combatant. There are no non-combatant Daleks. And, exactly, and and they and they have proven themselves that, and, and you can correct me on this, but given the principle of double effect or, mm-hmm. or, or however you want to phrase it, you know, leaving them out there, they're trying to destroy all of reality. You can't yeah. leave Daleks laying around. Presumably the, the doctor doctor would say something like, but we could have found another way or something like that. But it's not obvious what that other way would be. Right. And so it's really, this is a way of getting us where we need to go mm-hmm. in the plot which is right. they need to escape the Daleks and they need to defeat the Daleks. This is a way of doing it that allows the Doctor Doctor to still virtue signal the audience about violence right. equals bad. Well, and and the, it, the Doctor thinks nothing of destroying hundreds, if not thousands of them in ships, but to destroy all of them, you know, just that that's where he draws the line. It's right, right. And, and it also sets up a, the this opportunity that why we need to get rid of the Metacrisis Doctor, why we have to send him somewhere else, uh, which uh, is also kind of thin. But we'll get to that in a in a minute. Yeah. I do want to not. I don't want to pass by the the uh, the whole Gwen Cooper thing. So yes. Gwen Cooper is from Torchwood, and the Doctor and Rose recognize her as a descendant of the character Gwyneth yep. uh, from the 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 uh, ninth the Doctor Unquiet season, Dead. The Unquiet Dead. Uh, who was played by the same actress, and they say, oh, she must be a descendant. So I just, I just thought that was a funny and, callback. And the doctor invokes a concept that he refers to as spatial genetic multiplicity to explain exactly <laughs> why she looks identical, just like we have with Martha and her yep. earlier appearance. And right. this is actually something that fandom has speculated about, because in the history of Doctor Who, there have been a lot of actors playing multiple roles. Right, And so the question is, why do they look the same? And in the case of the Doctor himself with Peter Capaldi, we got an on-screen explanation for why the Doctor looks, why Peter Capaldi's Doctor looks like the guy from the fires of Pompeii. Yes. And we got that for Clara, too. Well, with Clara. But also, yeah. we don't have an explanation for why Peter Capaldi's Doctor looks like the guy from Torchwood Children of Earth, <laughs> who, the, who the Doctor never met. And so we have these people who bizarrely look identical for no apparent reason. And fandom has speculated that in the Hooniverse, there are maybe only a certain number of faces to go around. <laughs> and so uh, due to this genetic spatial, uh, spatial genetic multiplicity, you have a startling number of identical cousins out there. Yeah, it's it's it, shockingly similar to the number of actors in Britain. It's really yeah. I don't know how Give that works, yep. but somehow. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so we have a, a a scene of the Doctor saying goodbye to Mickey and Martha and Jack and Sarah. Before we get there, I want to nitpick the towing of Earth. Okay, oh, yeah. all right. So we have a grand operatic, glorious operatic music now as the TARDIS is towing Earth way too fast through normal space back to our souls yeah they're going like warp speed yeah yeah they're going they're going amazingly faster than the speed of light and we just see the stars whoosh in the background earth is turning incredibly rapidly as they do this 
in a way that would kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 we have all this jubilation as this is happening by people on Earth, but you look at how it's not like Earth is in a, a bubble of something that's, you know, causing it to just turn at its normal rate. It's clearly being affected in a big way by this tow job. And it's rotating way too fast. And we look at the people <laughs> on Earth jubilating, and they are experiencing what looks like, speaking as a Californian, a five or six on the Richter scale. <laughs> right. And wh- worldwide. Whereas, worldwide. Whereas yeah. here in California, a five or six is not, is, it, we're built for that. Mm-hmm. Um, in Turkey and Places in the developing world, their architecture is not set up to withstand a five or six. No. Millions oh. of people would be dead. Well, here in like the northeast of the United States, we're not built to handle earthquakes. I mean, the, in yeah, places exactly. that can hit that are built to handle earthquakes, it'd be fine. Everywhere else, it'd be really not yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. would be bad, and tsunamis and all the all the rest of the 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 stuff that would happen. I wonder what the, the lack of the movement due to the tides over the course of this. The period of time it that should, we're talking in about, theory, the- flatten them out somewhat. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, so yeah, they'd have some inertia. They'd still be sloshing around for a while, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be some some fun tsunamis. I, get, I tell you that. Uh, so yes, uh, they 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 hitch up the TARDIS to the uh, rift in uh, Cardiff, and that's how they get it back. And of course, K nine. Don't forget K nine. We see K nine in this one. He yep. comes out and uh, downloads the TARDIS base code, and uh, let's see. Yeah, then we have uh, the the doctor lands the TARDIS in a park where everything is normal all of a sudden, people out for oh. a stroll. And we uh, get the long goodbyes. Yes, uh, everybody says goodbye. Uh, Mickey and Martha. Mickey decides not to go back to the parallel world. Uh, he's nothing left there for, him, for himself, and that means that he and Martha are going to, uh, to, to hook up here and uh, become a couple, but we will yep. find out later on. Um, and Jack and Sarah Jean go off and do the thing. And the doctor takes Jackie, Rose, and the medic crisis doctor to, uh, what's it called? Derleg Ulfstranden. Uh, I think that's what it is. This uh, Actually, the, the whatever the letter is after D is not rendering on my screen, so I'm not sure what that is. But the, it's, it's Bad Wolf Bay. Bad yep. Wolf Bay, uh, back in Norway. And um, the doctor tells Rose that he that she has to take care of the medic crisis doctor, uh, because it's very he's weird. Too, too dangerous to be left on his own. He says that you're like, he's at a stage right now, because he's just committed genocide. He's where I was when you met me. Right. Which is true. When Rose had just mm-hmm. met Christopher Eccleston's ninth doctor, he had just committed genocide at the end of the time war. Right. In fact, he'd committed double genocide. He'd not right. only killed all the Daleks, he thought, he'd killed all the Time Lords, too. Yes. So he, the doctor wants Rose to play the same role in reforming and healing the Metacrisis doctor that she played for him. Also, you may wonder, why is he putting them back in this parallel universe at all? Why don't they stay on Earth like Mickey? Well, for one thing, Jackie is married to her, who, to her alternate Pete husband and has a right. baby boy with him. Right. So she's got ties in the other universe. And I'm not entirely sure why Rose and the Meta Crisis well, Doctor need to go there too. But her mom try to kind of you know where they, the two of them can't be in the same. Yeah, some, you know w- the Meta Crisis Doctor um, can't be you know. with yeah with with the where the real Doctor is. Um, but we have this, and then we have this scene where R- Rose he's ma- Rose is made to choose between the Doctors, and it we're kind of given this idea that the Meta Crisis Doctor is like. You can be in love with him if you're in love with me. He's just another it, me. It's really awkward, yeah. and, you know, because she's got feelings for the doctor doctor. And, oh, here's my identical twin brother. Why don't you love him instead? Right. I mean, he's more uh, than that's twin not brother. How love, that's not how yeah. love works. Benefit is he's fully human, so he's going to, you know, he'll die normally instead of regenerate. Yeah. Right. Rose also demands that the doctor tell us what he was going to say when he was speaking to her through the supernova telephone. Right. And he says, does it need saying? And then the Meta Crisis doctor whispers in her ear, and so, I love you, was what he was going to say. Right. And at that point, that's what changes Rose's mind, that the doctor doctor is not going to reciprocate her love fully, but the Meta Crisis doctor will, so she kisses him. 
I, yeah, I never understood why the Metacrisis Doctor could, but the Doctor Doctor couldn't, and it didn't it, make sense. I, it's well, I think partly it's because the Doctor. I mean, this is speculation, but I think the Doctor wants Rose to go with the Metacrisis Doctor. Yep. Right. He wants her to heal him the way he heal she healed him, and the doctors are both smart enough to know. Okay, I'm going to be the one not to say the line, and you're going to be the one to say it, and that'll right. convince her to stay with you. Right. Also, you could say the Metacrisis Doctor is more human. Exactly. Right. 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 He's not this alien. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I mean, I know this is a huge scene for a lot of Doctor Who fans. Like, this is the most the most romantic scene of, in all of uh, mm. Doctor Who. And it's very important to, to folks. And I don't want to. I don't want to un- underplay it. it. It's simply. I think for us, it's does not. It's not our. It's not our style. It, pushing yeah. someone off on someone else romantically is. <laughs> just awkward <laughs> it's it's both tragic and triumphant and it's you know it i i get it it's the it's yeah i'm, I mean, go, I'm going rose you're being emotionally manipulated here it's russell <laughs> right. t davies tying up some loose ends that he wanted to get tied up yeah yeah yeah, yeah we have to tie everything up at the end it's how the how the showrunners work so uh the they dematerialize away before rose has a chance to change her mind and uh the, the on the TARDIS, Donna starts making plans, but then she starts having a a breakdown yeah. because her brain can't contain the doctors. So, and and this scene is is as much as I hated the mm-hmm. uh, the the self aggrandizing Doctor Donna here. There's a lot of sympathy for her because right. she's she's talking and she initially seizes on the word binary and keeps saying binary, 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 and she. She gets stuck in this loop, and then she keeps get stucking in loops, and she free associates, and she's terrified mm-hmm. as this is starting to happen to her. And you, you get a lot of sympathy for Donna at this stage. It's, it's very tragic what's happening to her. Catherine Tate plays it really well, mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to go back. Right. She, she wants to, she's willing to die to stay what she is. Right. And the doctor mind wipes her non consensually. Yes. Yeah. So Donna is willing to die, and the doctor just Does doesn't it. let that sink in on him, and he doesn't let her die. And he, this is the equivalent of a telepathic rape. He mm. he, he just blanks her mind against her will. Right. And we have an amnesia. It's like at the end of Superman, where we have Superman two, where we have the amnesia kiss. Right. And so this is a, an interesting character exit. If you think about it in the history of the show, there have been companions who have died, starting with Katrina. Yeah. And there have been companions who have had happy endings, like uh, Mel, uh, who goes off with Sabalom Glitz <laughs> for reasons. Yeah. And, and there have been, or, or Leela. Leela has a happy ending. She falls in love with a Time Lord. Then there have been characters that have been forced apart from the Doctor, like Sarah Jane. Yeah. There have been characters who were accidentally left behind, like Harry Sullivan, it seems. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting character departure in that it's tragic, but it's not a death. Right. Oh, also, there have been companions who got sick of it and decided they couldn't handle it and and quit traveling deliberately, like Tegan Javanka and Victoria. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As much as like the previous scene had its its holes and flaws, the the rose, I think this one really highlights the tragedy of Donna, which mm-hmm. is that Donna. The whole thing with Donna is she was this very ordinary woman who was allowed to become extraordinary, and that's really what being a companion to the Doctor is about. Is about being extraordinary, mm-hmm. and the tragedy is is not only is she sent back. But she's not allowed to remember, and she's forced to become ordinary once again, right? or she and would it, die. And it's not just ordinary. She's not just an ordinary person. There's nothing wrong with being ordinary. She right. was a shallow, selfish, vain, vapid person yeah. right. before. There wasn't and, a lot of depth to her at all. Yeah. Right. And we see that play out uh, in her interactions with people. They're her friend on the phone at the end yeah, of this. Yeah, she's just gossiping and stuff like that maliciously about people. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see the parallel here between Donna saying, no, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to. I want to stay. And the doctor's own regeneration that's coming up where he doesn't want to go and wants to stay. 
And the regeneration he had at the beginning of the episode where he didn't want to go and he didn't. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, it's it's interesting. So then we he explains to Sylvia and Wilf that Donna can never remember, but that there are millions of people who owe everything to her. And sort of just gliding over the fact, because Sylvia brings it up, um, the planet moved and everyone's going to notice, like going to be talking about it. Oh, yeah, she's so shallow. She's never going to even believe anyone. She'll just. Oh, yeah. it's it's because it fits her personality pattern yeah. of Donna misses everything, so she right, happened exactly. to be asleep during the whole Earth moved thing. I, I always like to think she can never remember anything, and he's sitting in the living room when she shows up. I, I know, <laughs> exactly. it's like, isn't this kind of a reminder? <laughs> or are we just checking to make sure it took? Um, but and then we have the scene where um, you know, the doctor goes out in the rain that the 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 one that you've that meme that you've seen. Of the doctor standing in the rain saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh, that's that's comes from the end of this episode. And Wilf, who says goodbye. Wilf, my buddy, the best Wilf ever. The yeah. Best, uh, Wilf is the best. Um, you know, he salutes <laughs> the doctor as he as he dematerializes and goes, which uh, is a, a fit ending for this episode. And uh, we all we have a moment just before that where the doctor and mom get really testy oh, yes. with each other. Mom is not. They, I, I'm so frustrated with their character characterization of her um because it's the typical doctor who bad parent um thing and sh they kind of redeem her some during some of her appearances but then they let her go out on a sour note and well i, I don't like we, that. we've we've talked about before though it, it, we, we've kind of speculated that russell t davies has a a mother thing you know something <laughs> yeah. against mothers or right something. stephen moffat must too then yeah right yeah the 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 exchange is um you know the doctor says Donna was the for was the most important woman in the world in the whole universe and Sylvie says she still is she's my daughter and the doctor says well maybe you should tell her that once in a while and that really gets under Sylvia's you know gets in her craw there and yeah like, he was just leaving <laughs> yeah you should go yeah <laughs> but we end with the doctor lonely and traveling alone yep. soaked to the skin by standing in the rain in his suit. So that uh, that ends that. Now, next time, we'll like I said, we'll be uh, next when we come back to this doctor because that's not next week, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. When we come back to this doctor, we'll be going through the the Christmas special for two thousand eight, and then the, the next other, doctor. Yay! The, I love that one. Yes, that was fun. Yes, that was fun. It was confounding to to watch it first. Uh, so very a lot of fun. But uh, I do want to before we finish up, I do want to go through some feedback we have. On our recent episode, we did our 150th episode. We were talking about ranking the doctors, and so we got a lot of great feedback from listeners on that one. And I want to read some of that and uh, respond. Uh, on YouTube, Ar Arvasconti says, I, I haven't been able to watch Classic Who, but in regards to New Who, David Tennant has been my favorite. So, uh, number one, the 10th Doctor, David Tennant. Number two, the 12th Doctor, Peter Capaldi. Number three, uh, the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith. Then the ninth Doctor Christopher Eccleston and the thirteenth Doctor Jodie Whittaker. So that's that's how Arvisconti mm -hmm. ranked them. Uh -huh. Interesting. Danny Danny Butler on Facebook says my favorite Doctor is the Doctor. So mm -hmm. <laughs> any, yep. any Doctor, I agree. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mike Gambit on Facebook says uh, my favorite is John Pertwee, aka the Golden Era. Uh, my uh -huh. least was Sylvester McCoy. In, in he says in my mm -hmm. humble opinion, of course. And mm -hmm. I I know my in betweeners now to listen to the podcast. <laughs> so. I hope you still you enjoyed go. that. Uh, let's see. Amanda Borenstadt on Facebook says, for me, it's a toss-up between Tom Baker and John Pertwee. Uh, mm -hmm. Jason Thayer on Facebook says, my top five favorite doctors are Pertwee, Smith, McCoy, Tennant, and Tom Baker. Uh, then he says, uh, uh, to me, Dom, I guarantee that you will love how Big Finish treats Paul McGann and Colin Baker. You will yeah. love Professor Evelyn Smythe. She's his best Big Finish companion. Yeah. So um, I am yes. I am most looking forward to to getting into those. There's an I was just recently listening to an uh, big finish where it's actually the seventh Doctor who is at Evelyn's death. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's mostly known for traveling with the sixth Doctor, and she's like a historian and kind of takes the punch out of him, you know. Okay. Um, but then she also has some adventures with the seventh doctor and he's there at her death and she asks how he knew to come. And he says, remember when you were on the TARDIS and you had that calendar with all of the birthdays of your friends? And she says, yeah, I have something like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and, 
And it's like, ooh, so he may be showing up at his all of his companions' final moments to comfort them. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, then we have another one from uh, on YouTube from uh, Nanagaga2001, who says, The adjective that springs to mind for the Tenth Doctor is compassionate, especially in his dealings with the Master. I think this applies to some degree to all the new Doctors. I, in this, I don't know the old ones at all. And it shows in the way that they all take great pains to help even the most aggressive of whatever monster they're dealing with, with the exception of the Daleks, of course, although, as we see today, he still was somewhat compassionate with them. I'm surprised none of you mentioned compassion at all as a as an adjective to describe. I think for me, compassion, it, it is there in one form or another in all of the Doctors, as is adventurousness. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's a trait that runs across all of them, it it it's not what I was focused on. I was focused on what are the differences right. that uh, that they have. And and mm-hmm. some doctors do play that role more prominently than others. But yeah, like like you said, Jimmy, they're they're, they're pretty. That's that's kind of one of the character traits of the doctor as a whole. Right. Yeah. Uh, then Emma Croik on Facebook says, "When you mentioned Troughton and Hogwarts houses, I remembered something I read recently." The first doctor plays the Slytherin to get Hufflepuff results. The second doctor plays the Hufflepuff to get Slytherin results. Basically, <laughs> one is a Hufflepuff masking as a Slytherin, while two is a Slytherin pretending to be Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, very good. And thank you all for all of your feedback. Everyone who sent in feedback, we really appreciate it. Uh, we had a lot of fun making that episode, and uh, we, we hope you enjoyed it, too. So before we go, I want to say uh, to let you know what we've got coming up. We've, we've hinted at it a couple times in this episode. For the month of December, we wanted to do some something a little fun, a little, a little different from what we've been doing, a little shake things up a bit. We're going to be doing a series of episodes covering some of our favorite Big Finish audio play productions. Um, so we'll put links in the show notes to the to the various Big Finish audio plays. So in case you don't know, Big Finish, as we've, we've mentioned before, bigfinish.com, They've created some licensed, officially licensed audio plays that extend the Doctor Who storytelling universe, which includes the actual actors from the series. And there are dozens of of these uh, shows, these stories that have been produced over the past several decades that they've been doing this. And so there's some a lot of a lot of them out there, a lot of good ones. And uh, Jimmy, I think you've picked out the the ones yeah. that we've, we're going to be talking about. Yeah, so uh, the first one we're going to do is called Live 34, and it is a story featuring the Seventh Doctor and Ace and Hex, who is an audio-only companion, and it is awesome. Uh, I love Live 34. It's one of the best, uh, it's one of the first uh, big finishes I listened to, and it it's shows you how audio can be used to storytell in a different way. Everything about Live 34 is you're on Colony 34 listening to news broadcasts from the news station Live 34. And so it's a story told entirely through news broadcasts, and it's awesome. We also have The Trial of the Valyard. In The Trial of a Time Lord on the TV show, we had Colin Baker's sixth doctor on trial, and then he was prosecuted by a man known as the Valyard, who was one of his future evil incarnations, sort of. And this is the reverse of that. Now the Valyard is being put on trial, and the sixth Doctor, Colin Baker, has to defend him. Interesting. We're going to do The Chimes at Midnight. This expands the eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, and one of his companions on audio, uh, Charlie Pollard. So she and the Doctor arrive in a house in early 20th century England and it's really strange and it's an <laughs> they they're it's Christmas Eve they're leading up to the chimes at midnight to begin Christmas day and strange stuff is happening in this that, house and that's going to be our Christmas episode by the way yes that'll be our Christmas episode yep. and then we also will have a follow up it's the actors who played the companions from the 1996 TV movie with Paul McGann, but they're playing different roles. They're a couple of American unit operatives who are in a location called the Vault, where dangerous unit stores dangerous alien artifacts and stuff. And one of the things they have in the Vault is the Master. 
Mm. uh, played by Christopher Beavers, who was one of the decayed masters. And he wakes up every five years for, you know, an hour or something, and they're trying to get information out of him, and he's trying to get information right back. And it's a nice <laughs> mind play with, uh, with him and them. So we're going to give you links to these episodes uh, in, in the show notes uh, of this episode here, um, links to where you could uh, download them. They're, they have iPhone and, like, Android apps where you could download them to your phone and listen to them there. Uh, they're reasonably priced. Uh, at least one of them is two ninety nine. Uh, the I think the, at most are, there might be a couple that are seven ninety nine. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We've had some requests for more Big Finish, and we'll do more of this in the future because there's just a whole universe of Doctor Who out there that isn't ever been on television that can. In, in fact, some people have said they think Big Finish tells even better stories because they're not limited by budgets of for special effects and sets exactly. and that sort of thing. So. So we're we're I'm looking forward to it because I, I we haven't done enough of that for my taste. I want a more big finish. Mm. So uh, let's uh, before, you know, as we head out, we're going to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Anthony M, David G, Rick A, Christina T, and Dennis G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com/give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at Starquest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We also want to take an opportunity to thank Victor Lambs, who edits this show every week. Uh, he yes. is a volunteer editor, and so we've got to make sure we, we remember to thank him. He's been doing it for a while. Yes, he and, uh, does the, an the awesome job. <laughs> it, it, we really do appreciate it. Um, the high quality of the shows that you've been hearing for several months now is due to the fact that Victor's doing it and I'm not. So <laughs> we really do appreciate that. <laughs> So that's it from us. What do you think of Journey's End, this second part of the season four finale? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or you can send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the first of those big finished productions, Live 34. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the Secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, every night, Doctor, when it gets dark and the stars come out, I'll look up on her behalf. I'll look up at the sky and think of you. Right. This is going to be fun. Aw, Wilf. <laughs>